pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Little flip to Fitzgerald, he scores! We ain't got to do nothing special now. We just got to do our job. We can dance if we want to. We can leave your friends behind. Because your friends don't dance. And if they don't dance, well, they're no friends of mine. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Safety Dance NFL podcast and we've got yet another action-packed show in store for you today. We'll also have Steve McDonnell of NFL Ireland and the South Dublin Panthers in the Irish American football team on the line to take our pick six challenge. That's where we go head-to-head with listeners trying to pick the result of six of our favourite games from the weekend. We went 4-3 and three last week against Gary Somerville of the Paddy Pigskin podcast. That keeps our 100% record going, so we'll be hoping to, to for more of the same this week. My name is Steve O'Rourke, as it has been since 1982, and I'm joined, as always, by Owen Luco Kallig and Paul Hosford. This week, we're going to start by having a quick chat about the protests that took place before nearly every NFL game last weekend. But first, let's actually hear the words of US President Donald Trump that sparked the latest round of protests. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, out, he's fired. He's fired! That is a pretty incendiary piece of audio. Uh, it's it's little wonder that players reacted the way they did. And I, I'm reminded, I suppose, this weekend more than ever of, of the Chris Rock quote that no white person would ever swap places with Chris Rock and he's rich. Uh, it, it, it really was uh, black athletes coming together and, and, and I was going to say taking a stand, but they were doing the opposite this week. They were taking a knee uh, in process at the, uh, at the anthem. What, what did you guys make of, of everything that went on? Um, it, it's a mad weekend, isn't it? It's one of those things where you're checking Twitter all day on Saturday to see who's made a statement because it starts... I think Seattle were the first, and then it starts coming. Then you then you start going. Well, there's seven NFL owners who have given money to Donald Trump. You know, Bob McNair in in Houston, Bob Kraft in New England, Shad Khan in Jacksonville, and then th- that that was the really interesting thing because Shad Khan was on the sideline in Wembley. That was the early game, so that was always going to be a kind of an indicator as to how the protests were going to go. Um, I thought, look, Donald Trump is what Donald Trump is. Um, I think he hasn't changed over the last three years. I, I, you know, I'm I'm a, a news journalist by trade. We've been covering his campaign since the very beginning. He's been saying this stuff since day one. You know, it's funny to me that he got to the NFL so late. Um, I know he said things about the NFL in the past, and he never really directly addressed Kaepernick last year. Um, uh, he kind of did. He took the, that Mike Freeman piece about um, unnamed NFL executives saying why Kaepernick wasn't in the league, and he kind of made a, a bigger de- like Mike Freeman on Twitter vocally opposed the way Trump spun it. So he has addressed it. I suppose this was, I suppose, the most direct a- approach to it. And it's funny because it happened at a time when actually the kneeling protests were were dying down. Last weekend or the weekend before last, week two, only four players took a knee and, and two more raised their fists in the air during the anthem so it, it, to, to me it was a it was a strange time to bring it up other than the fact 
he was in Alabama and you know everyone is intelligent enough drawing listening to this to draw their own conclusions as to why he made the statement there in particular I think Shannon Sharp nailed it I think Shannon Sharp generally nailed it if you haven't watched Shannon Sharp's uh, opening monologue on Undefeated from Monday morning uh, you absolutely should because it, it's absolutely spot on in more or less everything that he says but one of the things that he said was that there's something more valuable than gold or bitcoin or cash in America right now and it's race and being able to play races off off each other is really really powerful in American politics and that's that's what it was because if you look at even we played a, a clip there of what Trump said but beforehand he made this tacit you know around the edges race baiting where he says think about people like you mm. and people like them and I think the attitude of people like Donald Trump was really summed up by Joe Walsh. If you don't follow Joe Walsh on Twitter, you shouldn't follow Joe no, Walsh on Twitter. But you will see his tweets retweeted into your timeline a lot. He described Stevie Wonder as an ungrateful black millionaire. And I think that that really sums up a lot of the attitude from rich white men and, in general, white, some white people in the States where anything a black person has, they should be grateful for. Yeah. Stevie Wonder is one of the most talented people of all time. Michael Bennett is one of the most talented men in the NFL. Cam Newton is one of the most talented athletes you'll ever come across. These people don't have to be grateful to society for giving them a living. They should be grateful to to the people around them who helped them. They should be grateful to their coaches who, who, you know, got them to that level. Absolutely, on a personal level. But they don't owe anybody anything. And that's not how American society is supposed to work. If you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and if you reach the top of your game in any kind of field, American society is supposed to respect that because that's what America is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a republic where you can achieve whatever you want if you work hard enough. But there are some people, and Donald Trump is one of them, who view black people as having to be grateful and having to kneel, you know, for want of a better term, at the altar of whatever rich white man gave them what they got. Yeah, I think it's worth going back to why these protests started as well. I mean, Kaepernick started because of police brutality, because of the extrajudicial killing of black people at a time when, you know, the officers who committed these crimes were being given paid leave. Um, so that that's kind of changed. And I think I, I saw a, a few kind of opinions today that that kind of said what the Cowboys did last night and Luke you you would have watched this game because your Cardinals team allegedly were playing in it um, not that they contributed much to it but uh, you know beforehand the the you know the owner um, and the team all took a knee before the anthem and I, I saw a great point that they they basically Martin Luther King did the protest it went from a form of protest to a form of obedience in that one simple move because by by stealing the actual form of protest which is the knee during the anthem and making it something that happened before but we still stand for the anthem you, you've 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 basically taken away why people were doing it in the first place and I, I i think jerry jones you know he's obviously someone who's donated money to the the trump inauguration he was one of the seven owners that did uh, and it just felt like so I was in Wembley on, on Sunday and it was so powerful to see, you know, nearly 20 players take a knee. Um, it, it, it really did kind of bring home why they were doing it. Um, but by last night, it felt like a completely different message was being sent. And that to me was the how quickly these things can change. So it'll 
it'll be really interesting to see where it goes next week. Onluk, I know you're working on a piece for the weekend. Do you get any sense of, of what direction the, the protest might be going next weekend? I think uh, a lot of the, I suppose, the attitude has completely changed towards Cap's protest in the last week with Trump's comments and stuff like that. And now, I suppose, people, a lot of people are looking out for who's not protesting and now at this stage as well. So, um, I... Obviously, it, it, like, Trump is still ranting away on Twitter and giving out about players and stuff like that. So, I, I'm not sure. Like, it, it, it probably will die down again eventually, as it did kind of at the start of the season. But, like next weekend, I, I, I can only see kind of more people, I suppose, taking part. And yeah, like kind of, I, I think more and more people are starting to, uh, stand up for the well. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> need, need, need we're getting tripped up with that a lot, but um, the, more and more people are starting to side with the players, even just from a kind of a right to free speech kind of um, view viewpoint. Because it was only two thousand nine that they actually started standing for the anthem, wasn't it? Yeah. And so now Trump has given out that they're they're sitting or and they're kneeling, and uh, it's it's such an offensive gesture. But I suppose but yeah. the point is, like he keeps saying that they're protesting the flag and the anthem, but that's not what they're protesting. They're protesting exactly. either they're taking Kaepernick's side and, and protesting police brutality, or they're protesting the president of the United States, one of the most powerful people on earth, using his office to call them sons of bitches, neither of which is good. And I think what shouldn't be lost in this is that one of the happiest people this weekend must be Roger Goodell. I mean, what we should have been talking about this weekend after this weekend's games is the Aaron Hernandez CTE mm. results that showed that he's one of the worst cases of CTE in a player his age. What we should have been talking about is the horrific quality of NFL refereeing that saw two games, the result of two games, irreversibly changed by poor calls. You know, both both the 49ers and the Detroit Lions have caused us to say that they, they should have different records than they ended up because of the refereeing. So yeah, I, I agree with both you guys. I'm not sure it goes away. I, I know like a team like the Raiders, some of the players have come out and said it was a once-off, but I think if Trump sticks his oar in again, that may well change. I, th I, think, I think, to go back to Shannon Sharp again, I think he kind of nailed it. Look, this isn't about for a lot of these guys this isn't about racial equality it's not about inequity in the u.s system it's not about the u.s judicial system it's not about unarmed black men being summarily executed by american police officers this was about an attack on the nfl mm. and that's why jerry jones was on was linking arms with his players and look jerry jo jones is a, historically very very loyal to his players and you know in that in that regard i would imagine that he wouldn't see himself as a racist and it's one of those really nebulous really hard to tackle types of of racial racial bias because there's a lot of people and irish people are very very much included in this who think that if you're sound day to day to black people that you don't have a racial blind spot and look we, if we're if we're honest we all have it i have it i have blind spots about all kinds of minorities because I don't have their experience. Yeah. And sometimes you might say or think something and catch yourself and go, okay, well, is that right? And that's fine. It's fine to, to say those things. What it's not fine to do, and what a lot of people who are reacting in terms of being against these protests, what it's not fine to do in their situation is when somebody protests something or somebody tells you that something isn't right from their experience, is to deny that. If somebody comes and says to you, look, this is how my life is, 
this is how it's different to yours because we're a different gender, we're a different race, we're a different sexual orientation, we're different nationalities. It's not okay to summarily dis dismiss that. Ask for more information. Yeah. Look for more information. Make your mind up based on information. But I think a lot of the people who are against this protest have conflated patriotism with obedience. And that's all it is. Stand that you can't you can't insult a flag. It's a piece of cloth. You can't insult it's actually worth pointing out that the flag code itself says that it should never be laid flat which is what they do before any any nfl game so if you're a real patriot you should be protesting that in the first place look we could probably talk about this all day and take up the full 40 50 minutes but we're going to move on uh, because we have to and that's my job to move things on but look we will come back to this next week if, if the protests continue which i think they will we can dance. everybody look at your hands this week on Pick 6, I'm joined by Steve McDonnell of NFL Ireland and the South Dublin Panthers Irish American football team. He's going to take part in our Pick 6 challenge. Uh, first of all, I should say that Steve is actually also my head coach because I'm a skills position coach with the, the Panthers as of this season. So it's obviously bragging rights on the team for uh, who gets the most picks right this week. Steve, how are you? I'm not too bad, Steve. Thanks for having me on. No problem at all. Look, um, you're a Packers fan. How, how did you kind of get involved in American football in the first place? Um, how I got, well, I suppose it's two. My dad, I think a lot of people have the same story here in Ireland. Like, you know, my dad was into it, you know, in the 90s and when it used to be on Channel 4. And so it was it Channel 4? It used to be on, it used to be on mm. you know, a, a highlight show. And he was a Redskins fan. Oh, not allowed to say that. <laughs> um, but I think, I remember seeing a, a kind of a, uh, center page uh, display the Packers after they won the Super Bowl and it was like meet the Man United of American football and I'm a Man United fan so in my 11 year old brain I thought there's that that must be the team I have to follow so so that's how I ended up a Packers fan I suppose how I got back into football when I was a bit older I was very tempted to take up golf and uh, I thought I had a bit more in me than that so uh, I found my way to American football really that was it very good. And uh, the first game we're going to be talking about this week is your Packers. They're hosting the Bears in Thursday Night Football. A banged-up yeah. Packers team that didn't look great against Cincinnati at the weekend. Is this, a, is this a trap game? I don't think so. Maybe against somebody else. Um, the, like, you know, the, you're right. They, they weren't great in the first half. And like you said, they're missing a lot of guys. But, you know, I, think, I don't know how many times Roger was sacked on, on Sunday, but it was too many. Like, both of those tackles. But at the end of the game, like the, the in the final quarter, there he just he just turned on Superman and you know almost won the game single-handedly. Like, but um, I don't know. I think I think maybe the Bears of a couple of years ago, maybe another team, but I just they just very poor at the minute. The Bears. Yeah, they've they've no wide receivers, and that's their biggest problem because teams know they're just going to run. Uh, Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohn are just going to get the ball handed off, you know, 50 plays a game between them. And, and I think if you stack the box, I think uh, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think the Packers are fairly stout against the run. So it shouldn't be too big an issue. So I'm assuming we're both going for the Packers in that game. Yeah, I think, like you were saying, the Packers are, you know, top half in terms of run defense. They're, you know, they're ropey enough tacklers, but I don't, I, they're not consistently bad against the run. And like you say, the Bears just can't pass the ball. Like they're they're awful. So 
Yeah, I think I think that it, it could be a trap game in a short week, but the Bears are in the same situation, so I think the Packers will do it. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I, I think the second game we're going to pick the Saints at the Dolphins in London. Uh, I, you know, I, was, I I picked the Jags to to beat the Ravens this week last weekend, but I didn't expect them to do it in the manner in which they did. London is a tough one for teams because you, you either acclimatize or you don't, and you're found out pretty quickly if you haven't. Yeah, that that was a bit of a shock now with the Ravens. It looked like they just didn't travel. Like you know, the Ravens aren't the team that won the Super Bowl. They're not the top end team they used to be, but they're not that bad, you know. And the Jags are far from the best team around as well. And that was that was some score put up very quickly. I like it's going to be the same this weekend, I think. And you know, the the like this, I don't I'm not sure about the Dolphins, but the Saints are there already. Yeah. You know, they were there. Sunday, like almost, they were passing the guys in the airport as they were coming in. Because, so they're in for the week. So maybe they'll be better acclimatized. I'm not sure if the Dolphins are in town straight away. No, I think they're only the flying Dolphins over on Wednesday. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and the Dolphins, obviously, we they looked okay against the Chargers. Obviously, they relied on a, a missed kick at the end to win, but they were absolutely humiliated by the Jets last weekend. Whereas the Saints, you know, obviously they, they got the win over the Panthers that maybe most people didn't expect to see. But that defense does look like a bottom, you know, one or two team in the league. They really are lacking in, in secondary players. Yeah. The, the, the thing with the Saints, like, I don't know, and, and you'll, say that, like, you'll say this with teams with bad defenses, it helps when you have a quarterback who'll pull it out of the hole for you. Like, you know, Breeze is just, even on a bad team, they're never going to be a very bad team with him there, you know. And I think for this game as well, another bit of traveling. Like I know the Dolphins, unfortunately, like you know, a real a real human crisis that they they their first game of the year was cancelled. They've been moving around. I think London, you know, more moving, more flying, more, you know, it could just be a bad time for them. Like you say, the Saints are hardly, you know, gunning for a Super Bowl this year, but they're still at the higher end of things when it comes to offense, mm. at least passing the ball. So, you know, and, and the, the Dolphins just are, are stuck in the mud, which isn't where you want to be on offense for a guy who's brought in touted, touted as his offensive prowess there in Gates, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So you're going for the Saints as well there? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, so we're, we're plenty of agreement so far. Now, the, the Carolina Panthers, as opposed to the South Dublin Panthers, they travel to New England to take on the Patriots. You know, Patriots haven't been at their Super Bowl winning best this year, but they've still got a two and one record. The the same as the Panthers, who Cam Newton just doesn't look right for whatever reason. Yeah, it's a it's it's a strange one because this is one of those games where they almost match up as in a good defense versus a good offense, a bad offense versus a bad defense. Mm. So you kind of wonder, like, because the Patriots, the Patriots are are you know, one of the worst in the league. Like, they're towards the bottom. They can't stop the run, you know, versus Christian McCaffrey, who is doing well, not setting the world on fire, but he's doing well. I don't know. Like, it's, it's, I think, you know, like so many things, you end up kind of thinking, all right, what, what's the thing that's going to break the deadlock? And, you know, number 12 is hard to see past. So, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going on with Cam. I think they, they don't want him running. They used to scheme to run him, and now they want to just keep him in the... I don't know if he's lost something or he's a bit. He feels a bit restricted, but it's just not happening on over them. Like, yeah, no, I'm I'm the same. It's strange that their their entire team has been schemed around him up till now, and then all of a sudden, they're not doing that, and they're much more predictable on offense. 
Um, yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, I think if they hadn't put in the performance that they did last week, I probably would have gone for the Panthers to cause maybe something of an upset in this week because that D is legitimately one of the best in the league, If especially if Luke Keekley can stay healthy. But uh, yeah. I think the Patriots' home advantage is probably going to be enough in this one. Yeah, you see, like you said, the home advantage, but you see how they were able to put, like, Patriots were very close last weekend as well. You know, if that game could have gone another way, but for a couple of couple of inches of Brandon Cook's feet, you know, Mm. Uh, it's it's but like that when it's a I don't know, it's not a bad call to lean. You'd be right more than you're wrong if you just go okay. Well, Brady. Yeah, you have you to know. trust the greatest of all time, I suppose. Yeah. Um. The 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 next game is a divisional clash. I suppose at the start of the season, many people would have tipped this to be the game that, or one of the two games that might decide the division in in the Titans at the Texans. Texans kind of up and down. The Titans obviously lost their first game to the Raiders, but it bounced back with two wins. So, is do you see this one being a, a close affair? This is. I, I actually had, I had a quick look through where they were all like the the stats and stuff today, and these two teams are almost like they're either one they're beside each other in nearly all the rankings. Mm. You know, they're either one or two, or sorry, they're either nine or ten or thirteen or fourteen or something. You know, they're actually very close in a lot of ways, and unfortunately <laughs> they're very close in the middle of the table you yeah. know for all of these different times it's really hard to predict and the Texans are now you know they're gone with Watson who's 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 doing well um, that's the right name isn't it Watson yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was getting myself confused with that. Uh, who's doing well in a similar he's a similar not the same player but he's a similar kind of player to Mariota when other stuff doesn't work well he'll just make something happen and that seems to be what both of them have they're not perfect but they've got something at quarterback that you know neither they're not they're not they're not firing all cylinders on either side of the ball but they have a quarterback who'll make something happen mm. that that first night game the Texans there a few weeks ago was one of the most horrible games I've ever seen but the best play in it was uh was watched touchdown he ran for something like 30 yards out on yeah. a broken play so this one's really hard to call and I think these are I, I always kind of interested in these games that you know a team going to play the city they used to they used to be in as well that was just something that always kind of you know I, I, I like it's a hard, it's a tough one to call and I just think the Titans might edge it yeah simply in the fact that they're they're not winging it a little bit they you know Mario has been there for a little while now whereas you get the impression the Texans are doing their best but at the same time you've got Clowney and Watt on the other side so it's it's, it's a very slight you know leaning that way yeah, um, I think I think the Titans, the strength of that offensive line is 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 good enough that it can probably hold that that you know we know how explosive Marcellus and Clowney and Watt are as a as a trio. So yeah, for me, I I think it's probably just the Titans, despite the fact the Texans will have home advantage. But like you said, I think that's probably the toughest game of the of the week to call. They're so close. I just like I said, that that's what it comes down to for me. The Titans are a little bit less looking like they're winging in an offense. Yeah. Agree with you. So we're all agreed on four so far, so we better differentiate in the last two. Um, my Oakland Raiders, who were horrific uh, against the Washington professional football team last uh, Sunday night in prime time, uh, versus the Denver Broncos, who had a pretty poor game themselves. So it, it, both these teams need to bounce back with a win. Who's going to manage it? You know, it's, a, it's like you, the Raiders were bad, and you wonder... You know, there's a lot of hype, and and I was I was I was reading your feature in the week about you know these guys should be a Super Bowl team. I'm 
Super Bowl teams don't play like that. Yeah. And but at the end, at the end of the, they're also a developing team. They should be a Super Bowl team. But this is this is, if anything, maybe like a, a card injury aside last year. This is kind of the first swing at their Super Bowl window. So maybe seeing them going, realizing that great teams don't have weeks like that. They don't play like that. Mm. So they could bounce back going. Hang on, if we want to be great, we've got to be great every week, and this could be the first go at that. Whereas the Broncos, again, they weren't great, but they're uh, they're they are, you know, they're one of the better rushing teams in the league, mm. and that will, you know, I know the old coaches will say, you know, you you pass the score and you run to win, like that is that is when when it's, when your offense isn't ticking, not that it won't be, but when your offense isn't ticking, be able to lean on that, and it's in mile high as well. Which could be, you know, could be the could be the the advantage there. Mm. I don't want to. I don't hate hate to pick against you, but I think their defense is great and they can run the ball. And Simeon doesn't make a lot of mistakes. You know, I, uh, the Raiders either need to completely flip the performance from last week, or else they're going to get beat again. Yeah, I, it, I'm going to lean on the, I'm going to lean towards the Broncos again. It's a very tight call. Like this is a big game for the division as well. Oh, it's massive! It's absolutely massive. This could be the the decide. Like we all, I think, at this stage, we've watched enough of, of of this season to see that the AFC West is probably producing three playoff teams, and this yeah. is going to be crucial in deciding the order of those teams. Um, at this stage, so yeah, for me, I thought the Raiders in their first game against the Broncos last year, they went in and Kalichia Semele and Donald Penn just put on a masterclass in run blocking. And the Raiders at one stage, I think in that game, ran the same play, seven plays in a row, and they gained positive yardage in every single one of those plays. I think the Raiders are going to have to, I thought they didn't call run plays very well on at, on against Washington on Sunday night. I thought there was it was far too much power and not enough use of the weapons that they have, like, like um, Richard and Beast Mode, and they they've all different type of they've different types of running backs. Even Carterell Patterson, who's who theoretically a wide receiver, but they've been using him in really clever ways in the run game, and they didn't do that against Washington. I thought, um, so for me, and it's not just as a Raiders fan; it's as someone who thinks that you know I've made this point that I do think they consider themselves a Super Bowl team and I think they'll realise that performances like Sunday night which I do also think was affected by the anthem protests the Raiders were one of the teams where the more players than, than most teams took sat down and they had wanted to f- do a different form of protest but the referees told yeah. them they'd, they'd throw a penalty on them um, and cost them 15 yards at the start of the game so that can't have helped and I thought you could see in like I hate to read body language and be, be that person but you could see how pumped up Derek Carr was during the anthem how emotional he was and he came out looking nothing like Derek Carr the quarterback we've kind of we were, we were kind of tipping last year and earlier on this year as being maybe a, an MVP candidate so I think the Raiders have have more reason to bounce back than 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 maybe the Broncos, and for me that might be just enough. But it'll be a very tight game. Yeah, I, I the, it's an interesting point in the anthem thing and Carr as well because you look at those guys who are at the upper end of the quarterback. Yeah, they get fired up. Yeah, they get, but it tends to be in game. Mm-hmm. Something happens in the game and they get fired up, or something. You know, they complete a pass. You see, you see Brady fired up, and you see Rogers fired up. And you see these guys, but they very rarely come out. You know ripping like you know yeah. they, they they are generally going through you that that's a fair point i didn't actually realize that about about car going into the game that maybe he just you know it, it there was a game plan there that they either was the wrong game plan or they didn't stick to you know i i still think it's it's a very tough one to call 
almost opposite the Titans Texans game because they're two really good teams, mm. you know. Yeah. So the last game, your your dad's team, the Washington football team, and the Kansas yeah. City Chiefs, one of the last undefeated teams in the NFL. The, the Chiefs, for me, I mean, they I think they've been the best team so far, but it's easy to forget that had Rob Gronkowski caught a touchdown pass, they probably lost their opening game of the season by 20 or 25 points, but yet they came back and they beat the Patriots, and they, they've, they've taken care of business ever since. That was, that was a really good performance. Like, the Chiefs are one of those teams, you, because... They're not loaded with superstars. You don't have, like, there's guys there doing great work, but, you, you know, there's not too many that have been had, you know, and you tend to uh, you tend to forget. That was a really great performance against the Patriots. Like, they really, really came out and played. Something, I'm, something about them as well, their defense, they give up a lot of yards, but not a lot of points, you know, and they they are, you know, they're allowing things, but they're, they're holding, they're keeping teams out, they're keeping teams to low scores, which... Can often be huge because you lost. You know, you you make the comparison when, you know, the traditionally the top of the big top end teams, and you see teams kicking field goals against them, and you know that's not going to get it done. You know, you can't do that against top teams. You have to score touchdowns. And the Chiefs seems to be holding people out. They might be, you know, in in terms of yards, they might be giving up a few, but they're holding teams out. I don't think Washington have anything to undo that. Really, you know, they they. I like Kirk Cousins. I think. He's a guy who's overperformed. I remember it was a, he, he joked when uh, he was drafted that, you know, himself and RG3 were competing for the spot, you know, competing for the number one spot. Mm-hmm. And I always I always kind of had a little bit of a little bit of joy for the guy that he was the end one who ended up winning it. Yeah. But, you know, they're 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 a good defense whereas the Chiefs are playing really well in offense. You know, they are they're decent at throwing the ball. Like they are, you know, upper half certainly, but I think like you said, the Chiefs are the Chiefs are firing at the moment. Yeah, and yeah, and Smith is playing like with playing like a guy with something to prove. The only well, thing I, which is sorry, to, quarterback. yeah, sorry to interrupt, but the only thing I would I would suggest is that the Chiefs in all three games have been relying they they they've really won all three because of one breakout Kareem Hunt moment, and the first team to stop that moment happening. I do wonder will that change the result. You know, in in a big way. The unfortunate thing for for Washington is that they can't put Josh Norman on Kareem Hunt. Uh, you know, uh, he's going to have to probably take Tyreek Hill in that game. But I, I do think that the fact that it's in Kansas City, um, I know it's probably not the most obvious home advantage in the NFL, but I do think they've got really really good fans there, and and that kind of does does play into it. I thought, you know, I thought that they they had a lot of time on the field, so they had a lot of time to. To, to do well last week but I thought Washington did okay on offense last week against the Raiders I didn't they didn't look like the mess that they were in preseason and in the first week of the season against the Eagles either um, so against my better judgment I'm going to go for Washington in, in this game and I think it might be the first time I've ever picked them in a game so there you go I think it's, it's not a gimme either like I'm not you know Washington and they are becoming one of those teams that was like like when we were talking the first game, the Bears and Packers game. If that was the Washington Packers game, and the pa- I'd be like, mm, no, I wouldn't be as easy to. I wouldn't be as easy to, you know, to go. I know the Packers beat them earlier in the year, but I wouldn't be as easy to say, yeah, like it's not a gimme against these guys. They will. And the point you made about um, about Hunt as well, uh, you'd wonder, like you, you're gonna. And and Gruden is one of these guys that a really good defensive mind. Like wrong, well, no, I mean, he's not. He's not. He's an, he's an offensive guy. But do you know what I mean? 
a really good defensive mind will game plan him out of the game mm-hmm. somehow. And I know he's doing everything, but and that's what you're watching for the come up against. So you don't know with the Chiefs if they're able to do or start, yeah, if Washington are able to do that against uh, against Hunt or not. But I don't know. I still I I think a team who is playing well rather than the if. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the Chiefs. No, that's fair. So we we agree on four and disagree on two. Steve, before I let you go, is there anything you'd like to uh, to plug? No, come play for the Panthers. <laughs> Excellent, Steve McDonald, head coach of the South Dublin Panthers and the man behind NFLIreland.com. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, million for having me. So, we're entering week four. We'll be a quarter of the way through the NFL regular season at that stage. Hard to believe. It feels like it only started, you know, literally two days ago, but that's not the way it works. For me, the thing I'm looking forward to this weekend, two teams that had really bad losses, losses that might come back to haunt them when it comes to playoff seedings, the Raiders and the Broncos. They go head-to-head in mile high this weekend. It's the Sunday 9:25 game, so I assume it's going to be on Sky Sports. The Raiders' offense looked horrific uh, against Washington. I thought that the the Washington professional football team did a really good job of both stopping the run um, and, and stopping Crabtree and Cooper getting anything going. Now, obviously, drops from both the receivers and, and, and weird play calling on offense didn't help, but... To me, the winner of that game takes a massive advantage towards you know the playoff spots in that division. Uh, so that for me is what I'm looking forward to. Oh, Luke, your Cardinals season looks to be done already. Uh, is there anything you have to to look forward to? Um, well, we're playing the Forty ers who are a team on on the rebuild. So I'm looking forward to playing an offense led by Brian Hoyer because the I suppose any Cardinals fan, the one standout memory from last week is probably. Des Bryant running through the whole defense, and yeah, like coming up against somebody like Brian Hoyer, I'm I'm probably overly critical of him because I just find his play comical. But uh, it's it's definitely going to be so it won't be the hardest game the Cardinals play all year. So hopefully they can actually get a win on the board. What's Tyron Matthew been doing this year? Because he looked great in preseason, but mm. he doesn't appear to be brought that form into the regular season. <sighs> who knows? Like who knows? But in fairness, he he had. A tough year last year and he's coming back from injury so I guess it's kind of it could be rust like preseason games aren't aren't to the same intensity that the regular season is so it could, it could be rust it could be the arts are just falling out of the Cardinals really it could be just a bit of that and um, I, I can't imagine the morale around the team is too high either so like there could be a lot of factors in it but like the, I suppose the, the baseline is that just the Cardinals aren't playing well this season. Paul, your Titans have had a, a couple of really good weeks, a couple of good performances, uh, but your your choice is the actual Ohio Bowl of Sadness this week. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, third and fourth in the AFC East. North. North. Yeah, whoops. Uh, get to face each other. Uh, a combined record of 0-6. Uh, the Bengals really redefined how to lose a game on Sunday. That was spectacular. Uh, they go into Lambeau, they lead heavily going into the, into the fourth quarter, they give up a touchdown right at the end to force overtime and then fail to make anything count in overtime. Give up Geronimo Allison a, a 67-yard run. And if you haven't seen the attempt, the t- attempts, plural, at tackling Geronimo Allison on that play, have a look. It, it's how not to tackle in the NFL. 
And, and then you've got the Browns, you know, can't get it done against Indianapolis, who are not, not a good side. Um, I just, I can't wait to see how both these teams conspire to make this a seven-all draw. <laughs> I think seven all might be optimistic that, yeah. that, that, that both teams can score a, a touchdown. <laughs> uh, I would say uh, the, the most surprising statistic to come out last weekend was that in eight attempts, that was Aaron Rodgers' first overtime win. I was sure someone was going to get sacked in the NFL stats department for that, but turns out that was his first overtime win in, in eight attempts. Because he gets it done in the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You'd have to wonder, like, going seven, zero and seven in his first seven overtime attempts, that's not a great record. No, but... I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is a bad quarterback before the Green Bay Packers fans get on to me. Look, that's all we have time for today. Thanks a million, as always, for listening. Uh, If you want to hit us up, give out to us about our opinions, tell us that white white privilege doesn't exist. You know, we can find us on Twitter, at SafetyDancePod. I've been Steve O'Rourke. I've been joined, as always, by own Luke O'Callaghan and Paul Hosford. And thanks for listening. We can dance. Everybody look at your hands. We can dance. Everybody's taking the chance